How do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 466 of the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. And oh, yeah, in case you're wondering, let me look around. Yep, we're, we are live. We are in the Les Schwab Studios. We are live. We are live, Ron. <laughs> What's up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about this. I think this is kind of interesting. There's a guy that uh, was noticing... Some peculiar peculiarities. It's a word I can't say. Yeah. Frustrated. My son said to me the other day, Daddy, why don't you add the R? Right. Hamburger, spaghetti. I'm uh, getting spaghetti down. Yeah. Uh, do you got any words Li- that you struggle with? Uh, do you, you still do library? Library, specific Northwest. Yeah. But I'm okay with the specific. I'm not going to say the one that I struggle with because every time I say it the wrong way, then I have to re override it. Nuclear. <laughs> That was my nuclear. Whenever we just talk about George Bush on the radio, nuclear, and then and then and then when you weren't sure, you just go, you know, nukes. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, you know. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk. This path. guy. This guy saw something peculiar about the lottery, and now he is winning the lottery. Uh, we'll tell you what he figured out. Maybe we can figure out too. We could all win the lottery together. Also, uh, they say there's a real estate revolution going on. What is the real estate revolution when it comes to our neighborhoods and especially suburbia and McMansions? Uh, how's this all going to play out? Forget to that, though. Let's get to this. I love going out on BuzzFeed every once in a while because I have really cool conversations. Like somebody the other day had complained about he was an Airbnb host and he was wondering why uh, he was struggling uh, booking people. And so BuzzFeed just let him have it. And I, I went through that as a super host and I read that and I went, wow. I just learned a lot, and and this is the way that people are thinking right now about the platform, or this is what they're thinking about Airbnb or VRBOs, and and I need to pay attention to that. So I learned something in reading that, and it, it won't change my business greatly, but it will change my approach a little bit. One of the things that people are pissed off about, it's like, hey, I paid a cleaning fee, and then before I leave, you send me a note, and you're asking, and all I ask people to do before they leave, I'm like, you paid a cleaning fee? All I'm asking, all I ask people to do, put the furniture back because people do move the furniture around. Put the furniture back. If you could start one load of whites, just white towels, because usually when the cleaner gets there, they're going to have to run two loads. And if a load of whites hasn't been run, then they up stand, stay in there a lot longer. And what happens is if you have a stay, same day turn, meaning that somebody is out at 10 o'clock in the morning and you have a new guest at three, the 10 o'clock person is never out at 10 and the three o'clock person always wants to come early. So your, your cleaner has a real small window to get things done. So that's helpful. And then I just say, hey, if there's food in the refrigerator right now that you don't want anymore, uh, go ahead and throw it in, in, in the garbage can and, and we'll come grab the garbage. And that's all I ask people to do. I didn't know that there's other hosts out there telling people to sweep, 
to vacuum, to mop, to wipe things down, to do all the laundry, to remake the beds. And then on top of that, they're, they're charging this big cleaning fee. And I'm yeah. like, I had no idea that was going on. So that's why BuzzFeed is great. Another question they asked, and this is the one that we're going to talk about right now. What is a book that you have read in your adult life? And it could have been five, 10 years ago. What is a book that you have read in your adult life that you think about often, uh, and it doesn't have to be every day, but it's a book that you that you think about, that you ponder, and maybe it has changed your life in some way. Uh, Ron, what would that? What would that? I know as, as soon as I read that, I immediately thought of of, of the book. Uh, something come to mind? Yeah, I brought it with me today. Oh, you're kidding! And uh, I don't. I'm actually this. This sparked me to want to read it again. Great. I'm, I'm holding it up for the uh, our viewers on people that are viewing us. Cool. It's called Sapiens by uh, Yuval Harari, Here, and it was on the uh, you know you know how Bill Gates always. Oh, I'm smiling now for a picture. Uh, you know how Bill Gates always does his you know things that I read that yearbook. And okay. We're we're doing a photo shoot live on the podcast here. All right, so um, it's it's not a new book. It's been out for a while, but this book I think about all the time, and the it's called Sapiens: A Brief History of Humankind. And so, by brief, it means it's like four hundred pages long. But it's a brief. It starts with the beginning of of human history, and one of the things that I think about a lot. Um, that I never really learned or crystallized is he starts the book off um, because he covers religion, society, modernization. Like he covers just huge topics in a really interesting way. But the book starts off with like, hey, there were a half a dozen, if not more, sapien species back in the day wow. and homo sapiens was only one of them and it's remarkable that they're the ones that lasted and there's these other uh, uh species that were stronger and bigger and more powerful and and ruled the world for for hundreds of thousands of years and it just happened to be that homo sapiens uh you know, were the ones that lasted until today. And so, and then he basically, once he establishes that fact, then it trickles into everything from religion to how you view society, how you view the way the world population has worked, politics, all these other things that he covers in the book. But once you get that grounding, and I think about that all the time, where it's like, if a different species had been the one the last, or if another uh, sapien species had coexisted with us, what the world would be like today. And so when you think about even, you know, you and I grew up in the Judeo-Christian tradition. It is taught that Homo sapien was birthed by God and that was it. Yeah. They never say in the Bible, at least the, the, that I've read, hey, there was six or seven different sapien species and Homo sapien is the one that we now have. And so when you go back to the archaeological record and you think about these different species, it has an entirely different spin on religion, an entirely different spin on our relationship with nature, an entirely different spin on how society developed and why wars happen and why uh, all these things, the movement across the planet occurred. And so when you read this book, and the thing he does, he doesn't politicize stuff. He doesn't have these commentaries and tell you what to think. He just says, here's what we know 
Here's what it means. And then you can you can go like, blah, 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 that's not what I believe. Like you can work yourself up in that, but the way he writes is so clear and so concise and so grounded in science and fact that you yeah. sort of got to go, huh? I didn't think of it that way, and most likely I'm wrong. So why do you think about that often, though? Why why is that important to you? Because it gives me uh, confidence in some of these. You know, when you think of the philosophical. Uh, you know what? And I hesitate to say this because I know it'll go into into maybe a territory you don't want to go. Again, I grew up in the Judeo-Christian tradition. Like I was driving south. I went to see uh, Elton John and had to go drive to Tacoma. There's a big billboard on I-5 when you almost get to Tacoma that says, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Okay. And it has this big graphic of flames and everything on the hell side. And when I was a kid, I believed in a literal hell. I was taught that there was a literal hell, and that if I didn't behave, I was going to go there and burn for eternity. So when you read... With ACDC, Motley Crue, and and Quiet Riot. When you read Harari's book... Those will be the... the, uh, You realize, realize, oh, I can let that childish belief go. Uh, Because if there were six or seven sapien species then that means that, you know, the rest of these things, dominoes begin to fall. Could be six or seven hells, though. That's a lot that's of hells. A, that's a good to, point. That's a lot of hells that's to a manage. Good point. What the hell? Right. Yeah. One heaven and seven hells. So I can't recommend the book enough. It's it's an astonishing work, Sapiens yeah. by Yuval Harari. What's the book that popped? I think I know the book that popped into your mind, but I'm going to... What do you think it is? I think it's The Obstacle is the Way. That's the book. It's by Ryan Holiday. It's what introduced me... Uh, really to a different way of thinking it's what opened my heart to uh therapy uh i've been thinking about getting a tattoo i have one tattoo and it's just of a road and, and it's my road with my son and my mom i've had this tattoo forever and i've thought about getting two more tattoos in my life one would just be uh my son's name and he uh just just it, it's something that that he has created for me, and, and, and a then, giant eagle holding yeah. the American flag across your chest. I know, and then and then the words, the obstacle is the way. I would encourage if if you're listening to me, especially if you've gotten to middle age, and and maybe you've had some trauma that has turned into drama. Right, my trauma from my childhood turned into drama in my life as a man, and when I go back and I look. I see areas of my life where I never grew up. And and that's why it was really important to go to therapy, have someone hold me accountable, to hold up a mirror, and to help me really look at things, and to not live in guilt and shame, but to understand what has happened, to resolve those things as best I can, and then to, to live with peace in my own life. Is it a, it's a primer on Stoic philosophy, is that correct? It is. It's what introduced me to, to Stoic philosophy and understanding that the obstacles in our life, what would happen with me, I would, I would be in a relationship, let's say, or I really got freaked out, honestly, becoming a father. And I'm like, this, history is going to repeat itself because I could see things in me that were in my dad and they're things that I didn't like. And, and and especially in times where I felt stress, so I started drinking a lot, and especially on Friday nights when the radios would when the the ratings would come out, typically, 
for our radio show if they weren't good. Uh, and they always weren't good. Uh, and then also the, just, just being a single dad, my son would go to bed and I started with half a bottle of Chardonnay and I got to a couple bottles of Chardonnay and I went, wow. I, you know, so then I had to explore the road. Am I an alcoholic? Right. So I went down that road. I went to a meetings. I went to seven of them. Um, I got into therapy and my therapist says, you may not be an alcoholic. She says, what is an alcoholic anyway? She said, but what you have done is you have used alcohol as medicine, as a tool to numb yourself. To, and, and, and so some of these things in your life you have never faced. She said, I am here to look at the wounds and I am not here to fix anything for you. I am here to pick at the wounds and let them bleed. And we're going to let them bleed. And it's going to hurt when we pick at them. My first two years of therapy, every time I would go to therapy, I would, I, I would tell myself on the way there, I'm not going to cry today. Not crying, not crying, not going to cry. Most of the time I would write things and I would go in and I would just read these things to my therapist. I would always end up crying. But that was the way. That was the way. Understanding my numbing, understanding why I was numbing. And, I, and, 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 and this isn't a segment to go into all that. Some of that I've shared before. But that was the way. Last night something happened. I've, and, and, and I felt incredible amounts of stress. Ron came here this morning, and, and we are late recording because what I've learned is when you are feeling stressed, and last night I was feeling very stressed, so I'm like, wow, th these would be the times that, that I would drink. That's not an option for me when I'm stressed. Drinking is not, that, that is not an option. Like, like I know, I, know I, I look at the evidence, I go to my own journals, I see where that road goes, and it's a dead effing end every single time. Every time. It's like I cannot use alcohol as medicine. I don't use alcohol to celebrate. This is what I know. If I want to have a beer, I could have one, but I'm not having one today. So with that and facing those obstacles, we can run from them. We can ignore them. We can sidestep them. We can try to jump up, but we, it never works. You have to move through that obstacle. What Ryan Holiday does in the book is he shows us people like Ben Franklin, some of the obstacles in his life, and he was a great stoic, and how he would move through those obstacles. I sat down with Ron this morning, and I said, hey, this is what's going on. Ron gave me great counsel, and, and he was very calm. And he said, you know what? This is going to be resolved. And I got a phone call in the middle of this conversation that we're having, and it was resolved. And the reason it was resolved, because the way that I, I, I spoke to this person on the other end of the phone, they're the only ones that, that could help me with this issue. And they partnered with me because I didn't attack them. If this would have, because I knew I was right, if this would have happened before I went to therapy, I would have just come out guns blazing. I can't do that anymore. And, 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 and so I'm very appreciative that he sat down, that he listened, that we drug it into the light. And when you drag things into the light, they don't, they don't seem so big anymore, do they? And that's exactly what happened this morning. I had this obstacle. I shared it with you. You were there for me. So thanks. Uh, you're welcome. And I've been, when you've been talking, I've been flashing on this tattoo. Listen to me. Don't interrupt. An aircraft carrier yep. with a grizzly bear yep. in the back of your old red truck holding yep. a banner yep. that says the obstacle is the way. <laughs>
What do you think? <laughs> I Just love like it. right across your chest or yeah. maybe on your bicep or something? I love it. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ronnie Don here for our partners for over a decade, Les Schwab. And you know what? Winter is on the way. I hate to say that, but winter is on the way. It might not feel like it right now. It is right around the corner. So if you have designs like I do, I bought my Epic Pass. I want to go skiing this year. You've got to make sure your tires are on point. And that's what Les Schwab is all about. So right now they're doing their fall tire sale. You can save up to $200 on a set of four select tires with Les Schwab financing just in time for winter driving. Schedule your appointment right now online at LesSchwab.com. That's Les Schwab Tires, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Laura Miller is one of the leading commercial real estate brokers around the Sound. You see her name everywhere. But when she needed to sell her own home in West Seattle, she turned to Ron and Don. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide their services were, it just made it easy. It was a laydown. As someone who regularly handles multi-million dollar deals, Laura has high standards and expectations, and she says the guys exceeded them. I like to have a fair amount of communication as to what's going on in the market, what are you doing today, <laughs> to um, you know move the sale forward. And they were collaborative. They came forward with some really great ideas, even little details like, could you water the plant while you're there? They're like, uh, of course. And they would show me them watering the plant. <laughs> In no time, they got a deal done. Laura got even more than she hoped for. And she says she couldn't be more impressed with their service, attention to detail and results. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. You did really well. They're awesome. They are just people you want to hang out with. <laughs> and if you're ready to get more for your door and work with some pretty awesome guys as well, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronandon.com. Hey, it's GeForce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. And, of course, you know we're broadcasters, we're your friends, but also we're real estate agents. And if you ever want to sit down with us, ronanddonsitdown.com. We can virtually sit down today. We love sitting down with you guys. It's the a other lot thing that I, I love as well, too, we've had several transactions in 2022 where you might have a family member that is in need of assistance. Yeah. And when the family rallies around this specific family member, and it can be for a variety of reasons, to go into that situation because typically everyone's very overwhelmed with the underlying situation and to come in to, with someone you can trust, say, Ron and Don, we as a family need to deal with this. You guys, can you deal with the house? Yeah. And so uh, that gives me a lot of satisfaction um, when we do those transactions because it is a lot of trust and I don't take it for granted. And when we get, we just got a text the other day of like, oh my God, you guys did it. And I've been under so much stress while this has been going on. Because a spouse had passed away or there's an alien parent and they leave a house behind and you don't know what to do with that house. And a lot of times the house has deferred maintenance, meaning it needs a lot of work. We bring our crews in, uh, we make it easy, we take care of it, we get your house sold. And I love our client the other day who said, I have never had this much money in my pocket in my life. So, th so thank you. That was very cool. RondonSitDown.com. Real estate revolution. When thinking about suburbia, the McMansions, 
Uh, we see a lot of those on the east side. Here in Seattle now, we see a lot of single-family homes that are beginning to add doors like I have here, backyard cottages. You see some of these builders going out, and they're building backyard cottages and homes, and then they're selling off the backyard cottage as a second home, which is really interesting. Uh, what say you? Is there a real estate revolution going on, and, and what's this revolution going to look like? This this is really interesting. I, I was doing some. Uh, I am a certified ADU specialist. I, gra- I graduated. That and a class. managing broker. Managing bro- I'm getting yeah. all sorts of credentials. Ron called me last night and yelled at me, and I'm like, "Is this the boss?" He goes, "Yeah, this is the boss." And managing he told broker. me something. I'm like, "Man, it's good." Because I love having a. I do not like being. <laughs> in, people think I want to be in charge. I have because I know everything that comes with being in charge. I do not want to be in charge. I just I want to have a boss, and 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 so the boss gave me some direction, and I just did what I was told. It was great. The the the, the ADU revolution is actually a re-revolution i was doing some studying on this back in the day and i'm talking 18 you know the 1900s um and it made a lot of sense when neighborhoods were first developed in america and and i would think this would hold true for seattle um everyone was horse-drawn and so what did you had you had had neighborhood or individual horse facilities by your house Uh, and in back alleys because you had to get hay delivered you had to have you know horseshoers come by and so in in most of these cities and especially in the in the east coast and midwest this was standard issue in brooklyn manhattan chicago detroit like all these big cities you had animals carriage houses around and so what happened when the automobile came along is that people used these facilities for rentals and so you'd put your grandma out there, you'd put extended family, you would put uh, boarding houses, there would be all kinds of stuff, and it provided income for families. Then cities started to have zoning boards. And so what they, what they decided to do, and these trends would sweep across the country. So a city like Los Angeles that had a lot of influence, or a city like New York, or Chicago, one of these made Boston, one of these major metropolitan cities, they would come out and there would be these trends with municipalities where they say we're doing this now with zoning you're no longer allowed to store animals behind your house and so a city like boston would do that it would be highly publicized and get newspaper write-ups and then other cities would follow suit this happens all the time so these zoning laws would then become uh you know sweep across the country then building codes became a big deal because we had a lot of fires and so you would, the city of Seattle burned down, city of San Francisco burned down, city of Chicago had a big fire. And so these groups would get together and go, we need uniform building codes across America because we don't want these big fires to happen. And so a combination of those two things took away, the ADU used to be a thing in the, in the 1920s, 1930s. They were all over the place. You had affordable housing behind buildings in every major city in America, then the combination of the fires and the combination of zoning laws uh, came through and made it almost obsolete. Then the zoning came in as like, that is not the highest and best use of this land. You know, you can't do that anymore. And also back then you could have businesses. So your dad could, could work on cars in the back alley 
and generate income for the family on the weekends. You could repair lawnmower engines or whatever. And so zoning boards are coming in like, yeah, we don't want that anymore. They're behind our alley. You need to be in a commercial zone space. You can't work on lawnmower engines in your alley. And so the fabric of America really changed. And now it's coming back. People are saying, hey, it, we do. There is a crisis here. And like you mentioned, the house that we're selling in, in, uh, in northern Seattle a little bit has a 7,500, 7,600 square foot lot. Plenty of room to have an ADU in the backyard, and it would generate a revenue stream and also provide affordable housing in, the, in a community that desperately needs it. So this is a revolution that actually is the second coming of a thing that we already have. Yeah, think about this. I have an ADU in my basement. A traveling nurse stays there. It's affordable housing for her. Uh, and we have an issue right now at Children's Hospital in Harborview with a lack of nurses. And, and so people tell me all the time, they're like, well, you're, you're part of the problem uh, when it comes to affordable housing. I'm not. I'm part of the solution. People that typically stay down there are people that have come here to work in Seattle, right? And 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 she's doing a lot of good things as a result. She's here for five months. And then out in, out in my backyard... Uh, that is a cottage that I, that I ultimately built for my mom. So she's going to come into December and we're going to hang out and she's going to hang out in the cottage in the backyard. And, and so what that does is, is she is getting older is, is I, I don't know why we throw away our parents, right? And we stick them in old folks home sometimes. I, I understand our parents going somewhere and we're, there's more activity and more people their age, but just sticking people in an old folks home, uh, I think that's ridiculous. I'd rather have her here with me, uh, and my son would rather have her here with us too. So we're excited about her visit. I don't know if she'll stay longer than a month. I hope she does. Don, nobody says old folks home anymore. <laughs> it's like saying a stewardess. The old folks home. And, and, anyway, so you're saying that the revolution is back, and that's why in these single-family homes, and, and there's always a pushback when you try to make the homes bigger, Instead of making the homes bigger now, they're just they're they're reshaping a lot of these plots so that they can add more doors and we can fit more people and we can be an area that's higher and denser. It, so. it is, and it's a solution. If you want to talk about it, we can do a run it on sent out about it. Uh, between Don and myself, we we know a lot about it, and uh, I I embrace it because I think it's it, when, when I was in my twenties, I would have loved to have lived in a cottage in a neighborhood like you have today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just could, I couldn't afford to buy the house up front, but it would have been fantastic. If I didn't do that, she would never be able to afford to live in Queen Anne and look what she's doing here uh, at Children's Hospital. It's a beautiful thing. And we need, we need nurses right now. So anyway, one more story on the other side of this. Let's talk about the guy who is now winning the lottery because he studied the numbers. Ron is a number person. Uh, he's also a managing broker. Hey, you guys, I'm sitting here with Mitch Weeks right now, one of the great sponsors of the Ron and Don Show. He is a mortgage broker, and you can find out more about him at Mitch.loans. Hey, a really cool time to be creative when it comes to being a buyer, and there's sellers right now that are stepping up and saying, let me help the buyer by doing something called a buy-down, right? Yeah, they are. And it's one of those things that's beneficial for both sides. Sellers give money up front for the buyers to buy down their rate and save money for the life of the loan. It's a really creative solution, really working for a lot of people. Yeah, there's also something called a 2-1. What's a 2-1? A 2-1 is where you get your rate bought down 
2% for the first year, 1% for the second year, and then after that, you're home free in your current rate. But it's great savings up front, and then you have a chance to refi over the next two years. Yeah, good news, good time to be a buyer, good time for sellers to be creative and help that buyer. And Mitch, you can help everyone. Uh, how do people reach out? Go to Mitch.loans, set up a meeting, and let's figure out a creative solution for you. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Sometimes when there's a people feel a little downturn or a change in the economy, uh, that's when people head toward the lottery. I'm kind of amazed. Think about this. Pete Rose gets kicked out of baseball for betting, and now everybody's betting. Rick Neuheisel loses his job at the University of Washington for betting, and, and, and now on the program that he is on, it is sponsored because he's on a national show for, for football as a commentator sitting at a desk, that show is sponsored by DraftKings. Nice. <laughs> so you take two guys, you 86 them out of the leagues, but now uh, everything is sponsored. And, and it's because the NFL and the, all these other teams looked at this and they said, and league said, we, we, we are missing a lot of the land yap, as they call it down in the, down in the South. And let's put some professional teams in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. That's why they would never put an NFL team in Las Vegas. And now look at the Raiders. So they are. Anyway, Ron, there's a guy that was studying the numbers when it comes to a lottery and a downturn. A lot of people played the lottery. He was seeing something uh, that he thought was peculiar or interesting. And now they're saying he's winning the lottery as a result, right? Well, I don't know if you read the end of the story then. It was a very long story. Uh, this is the type of thing that drives me crazy because it romanticizes gambling. There was a guy, there is a guy, he lives in Michigan. Michigan has a, a lotto game called Pick Four. Uh, if you pay $1 and you pick the four numbers in the exact order, you'd win, uh, you'd win $500 or, you know, $5,000. So you'd win $5,000 on a $1 bet. 4871. But if you go fish, if you pick, if you pay a twenty-four dollar bet, yeah, uh, then the numbers can land in any order. So it doesn't have to be one, two, three, four. It could be four, three, two, one, or you get the point. So, but that's a twenty-four dollar bet. So what this guy did, and and he's he's a gambling addict. Uh, he started tracking the numbers. He was good at numbers, had an aptitude in math, and he he thinks that he saw some patterns. And so what he would do is he developed this system and he would go in and buy hundreds of tickets with the same number uh, when he thought the numbers were going to hit. And so he would make, he would see quote unquote the pattern. And then like, so he would be like, okay, today I'm buying 500 tickets of, of one, four, zero, zero. And then tomorrow I'm buying 500 tickets of one, four, zero, zero. So he's spending tens of thousands of dollars on these tickets but when it hit he would win millions of dollars and so he would he's not a net winner though because if you go down and i just scroll once i got the scheme i was like all right let me go to the end of the story because the only reason they're writing the story is something happened he is now pled guilty to laundering money and he has restitution of 25 million dollars he can't pay it back wow so this guy there is no pattern <laughs> Like they talk to mathematicians and it's like, it's ping pong balls coming out of a thing. He, he would play, he did get lucky and he was playing that version where it was, uh, you know, you, you play the $24 ticket to get the numbers in any order, but he would be buying four 500, 600 tickets a day, sometimes 800 tickets a day. So it was, it's basically 
uh, roulette. Uh, and if you bet big enough, when you hit, you can't. I just saw videos going around on the Instagrams of these. All these guys went to Vegas together, this group of buddies, and they bet like all of their money. They're like, they were drunk and they're like, we're betting all of it on our favorite number on roulette. And so they had like $5,000 in the stack of chips on, on this roulette table and it hit. So they won $3.2 million. Wow. But it's like, it's, it's not a strategy. It's not a skill game. This guy is not a genius. Um, and that's why I, you know, I play poker where it's a luck skill game. You see the actual winners in the game. And it's a small percentage of the players. They win consistently. They make their living at it. It's, there is a skill to it. It's not just random luck. This guy had a system. The system won while it won, but when it didn't work anymore, he's now going to jail. Yeah. All right, you guys. Hey, thanks for uh, listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, all you got to do is reach out. Yeah, email me, ron at ronanddon.com. Let's do a sit down. Let's strategize. If you, when you hear us talking, if you're like, huh, I got my interest. I, I think, you know, maybe I should jump in the game. Or if life just came at you and you need to jump in the game, give us a call. Yeah, and there's been a correction in the market if you're a seller, but homes are still selling. Uh, rather quickly, everything we've put out there and we bring stuff that's turnkey and it looks awesome and dynamic. Uh, and it just, it, it sells you guys. So you just got to make sure that the work is done right and that you present it to the market, uh, in a proper fashion. So we can help with that. Ron and Don sit down.com Don O'Neill on all the socials. Ron is Ron Upshaw. If you want to get signed up for our newsletter, do that as well. All right. For Ron and myself and Charlie, the dog, who's taking a snooze right now. Doesn't he look good after, uh, you Have you thought about yesterday. getting him a colored mohawk? I've seen a dog. Oh, my friend gets a mohawk every time. Maybe for the makes, holidays. Makes it like pink or green. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Doodles taking over the world. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Episode 467. We'll be here before you know it. It's the Ron and Don Show. All day on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.